Well, if you have a Bible this morning, uh, and I hope you do, find the book of Philippians, uh, way to the right side of your Bible, and we're going to be in chapter uh, number three, and we'll get to that in a moment. But man, I love church. I love this church. Uh, there is something special here. God is moving. God is doing things. Uh, I, I think we have the best church family in the world. Uh, I, I would not want to be anywhere else. And this, so this month, this month is actually the nine-year anniversary of me and my wife and our family moving up to Sox Center. And well, you don't have to clap for that. The reason that I brought that up is because even though Sock Center is not like where I grew up, I have now officially lived in Sock Center longer than I have lived anywhere else in my life. And so I'm calling this home. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, it's a good thing. And uh, we truly feel that like things are just starting here. In fact, we just, we just built a house uh, and we just moved in last week. And this week I put our mailbox up. Put this thing up here for me. Put, show me this picture. Oh yeah. We have a mailbox, so we are legit now. Uh, this is my daughter, Madeline. She's number three of four, and she's standing by our new mailbox. Now, if only we had grass and a driveway and shelves in our closets and carpet. Never mind. Okay. Uh, but I could not be more excited about today, um, and I want to challenge you to, to really open up your, your heart to hear from the Word of God. Uh, let's sit on the edge of our seats today. Uh, grab a pen, grab something to write on. Listen to this. Re research actually has shown that 98% of people that take notes in church will go to heaven. <laughs> so, just wanted to throw that out there. But please stand with me all over this place and uh, let's read from the Word of God together. Philippians chapter 3 and uh, we're going to start in verse number 4. These are the words of the Apostle Paul written in the form of a letter. Uh, and uh, it's now in our Bible we, which we think is the inspired Word of God. So Philippians chapter 3 verse 4, here's what it says. It says, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But... Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but, but that which is through faith in Christ, the, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. God, we we ask and we pray that you would speak so clearly, that you would show us things, that you would, God, do what only you can do. We pray that as we open your very word, that, that, that these words would, would bring life and encouragement and challenge us, God, uh, to, to know you more. And so, God, we just give this to you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. 
Well, how many of you were here last week, last Sunday for church? Man, wasn't that something? Uh, it, it was powerful. If you, if you weren't here, let me just kind of give you about a 30-second thing. We, last Sunday, we had a missionary friend of mine here uh, from the country of Cambodia who shared his story. I think I have a picture here. Yeah, that's uh, him and his wife. Now, I've been, I've been to Cambodia two different times, worked with them, uh, and, and spent some time with them. But if you didn't know this, about 40 years ago, Cambodia went through a horrendous event uh, where over a third of the population of Cambodia died. Two and a half million people out of the seven million people that were living in Cambodia died uh, in one of the worst genocides in world history. Uh, our missionary lived through it and told his story, a story of incredible suffering. He was taken away from his parents and his family at the age of seven and forced into a child labor camp with there were more than a thousand kids there. After four years, uh, out of the a thousand plus kids that were in this camp with him, less than 50 were still alive. And I don't have time to go into all of the details uh, of everything he experienced in those four years, but at the age of 11, after these four years, uh, four years of the closest thing to hell on earth that you could even imagine. He was rescued, uh, adopted by a family in St. Paul, and grew up in the St. Paul School District. Uh, uh, it's amazing. And, and what's absolutely crazy, and he didn't even talk about this last week, his wife, her name is Tita, went through the same thing. Both of them are from Cambodia. Both of them lost parents and lost family members and experienced the horrendous thing of what this was. They were both adapt adopted by people from St. Paul and they met in college in Minneapolis. It's a crazy story uh, when, you, when you hear uh, about this. But this story, um, if, you missed the, if you missed that last week, I want to challenge you to watch that thing on our website. It will make you cry. It'll make you sick to your stomach. Uh, but uh, you will leave in awe of the power and the goodness of God as well. And so do that. But that story and his story really leads us into what we're heading uh, into today. Because this morning we're starting a brand new four-part message series that we're simply calling Suffering. Suffering. And, and here's the premise of this series. We all face difficult situations in our life. It's not a matter of if something is going to happen. It truly is a matter of when. A loved one will die. It's a reality to us. We, so many of us have experienced that. Someone you love will get sick. You, you will experience pain in your body. Uh, recent statistics say six out of every 10 Americans will face a financial crisis within every 10-year period. Six out of 10. Uh, yet, as Christians, as a whole, we have a messed up view of suffering. We have a very unbiblical view of suffering and difficulty and, and hardships. And our theology, which is what we believe, it really does not line up with the Bible. Uh, what we believe about suffering and hardship, for the most part, it is not true. And we throw around these sayings that are not true. We're going to talk about some of them over in this, in this series. Things that many people think are in the Bible, but they simply are not. And here's the problem. Uh, the problem is that if we as Christians, have an unbiblical, untrue understanding of suffering and negative circumstances, then when those things arise in our life, and they will, we actually move farther away from God and not closer. 
Our faith is oftentimes weakened, and I can, I can point to faces that used to sit here with you uh, until something happened and a tragedy struck, and now all of a sudden their understanding and their theology about God, it disappeared, and they're no longer here. But the Bible talks a lot about suffering. It talks a lot about it. It's all over the place. But as a whole, Americans don't like to talk about it. We don't like to look at what the Bible says. And we like to say, in fact, let me, let me back up a second. In fact, most Americans view suffering as anti-God. And we like to say things like, the devil has really been attacking me lately. And what we mean by that is, I've been sick, uh, I got into a car accident, I got a pay cut, my water heater went out, I need you to pray against the enemy. We say things like that uh, all the time in the Christian church. Like, if anything negative is happening in my life, then it's not God, it's the devil. This is the way we view things. Some of you are staring at me right now. <laughs> because you don't like what I'm saying. Now, I hope you understand that... Uh, I mean, the people in the Bible would laugh at us for this kind of stuff. They would. I mean, Jesus actually tells his disciples, you will suffer. You will be persecuted. And history tells us that 11 out of the 12 disciples were murdered for being Christians. 11 out of the 12. What we have here in our Western culture is so rare. The freedom to worship God, the freedom where we do not experience the persecution, it is a rare thing that we have right here. See, the Bible, and specifically the Apostle Paul, talks a whole lot about suffering. And so the next four weeks, we are going to kind of build a foundation of what does the Bible talk, what does the Bible say about difficult circumstances, and what does this look like? Uh, and we're really just kind of building a foundation to establish a correct biblical theology. And this matters. It matters. And this is such a big deal because, like the old saying goes, you are either coming out of something you're in the middle of something or you're going into something in the near future, right? Suffering is a part of being alive and it's a huge part of being a Christian. Now, Philippians chapter 3 is really where we're going to gain and, and, and wrestle with most of what we have here over the next few, few weeks. Uh, Paul is really walking his readers through this. It's a letter he wrote, and, and this has so challenged me this week. And he begins this section in, in kind of an odd way. And it almost can come across like he's bragging, uh, especially to his original audience. Uh, he, he goes through this list, one by one, of all these accolades. It, it's like um, he's almost saying, this is why I'm better than you all, is what he says. Let me read this to you. He says, though I have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now he's going to list all this off, and we're not going to understand all of this stuff. Uh, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He's talking about his incredible Jewish heritage. Uh, which mattered so much in that time. Uh, he's talking about his learning, his, his schooling. Paul knew multiple languages. We know this. He was incredibly intellectual. We know this. Truly brilliant mind. We see this coming out in his writings all over the place. And basically he's saying, I am from the ultimate bloodline. 
I'm from the ultimate bloodline. And not only that, I went to the Harvard of the Jewish culture. I know multiple languages, was the part of the highest religious elite class in every way. In fact, I was more passionate about God, more passionate about the Word of God than anyone else on this planet. No one was as amazing as all of that, at all of that as I was. And then he transitions. And he says in verse 7, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I really don't give a rip about any of that stuff. I'm better than y'all at all this stuff, but I don't give a rip. It doesn't matter. I, I don't care how much of the Jewish law I knew or how much of a Pharisee or the languages I know and intellectuals and bloodline. I don't, he says, all of that is garbage. And uh, garbage here in the original Greek, which is what we have this translated from, uh, it's better translated actually as the English word dung. You know what dung is? Okay, if you don't know what that is, we can take you out to the porta potties and show you later uh, what that is. All of that is garbage. All of it is it's poop compared to knowing Jesus Christ. And then we come to the climax of this section of scripture, verse number 10. And he says this. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Yes, to, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. And then he throws this beautiful little piece in, becoming like him in his death. And in this section of scripture, like we have Paul more than once referring to and saying the phrase, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. He, he says that. And in fact, the theme of this section of scripture is like, I want to know Christ. But in verse 10, Paul takes this a step farther. And, and this is where we're, we're like building up to this for today. He says, I want to know Christ to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. Now, don't miss this. Paul is laying out two very different sides to knowing Christ. Two very different sides. One, knowing Christ through the power of his resurrection. We love that. To know him in the incredible power and, and him dying on the cross and raising from the grave. It's what we celebrate. We come and we're encouraged and we love that. Paul says, I want to know Christ in that power. Experience Christ in that power. I want that. But then he throws out this stinking number two. And it's like, what do we do with this? Because he says, I want to know Christ through participation in his suffering. And I want to make a statement that is going to seem strange at first and some of us may not agree and some of us may not like this and some of us, our minds are so trained in the other direction that this isn't even going to make sense but I want to say it anywhere. Are you ready for me to say it? You're not sure, are you? I find this to be so flat out biblical and it really is going to set the stage for the rest of this series. Listen to this. There's a part of Christ that you and I simply cannot know without suffering. There's a part of Christ that you and I cannot know without suffering, without experiencing hardship, 
without going through difficult things. This is not very American, but it's really biblical. James chapter 1, he writes this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Paul in Romans says we rejoice in our sufferings. Americans don't consider it pure joy when we suffer, do we? In fact, we think it's unbiblical and ungodly. And the people of the Bible say, consider it joy and, and, and rejoice. I mean, weird things to say. American Christians call suffering from the devil. Biblical Christians say, consider it pure joy and rejoice. Paul says, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him, and I also want to know him in the fellowship in his suffering, participation. Paul is saying this, listen. He's saying the entire goal of, of being a Christian is not, if I put my if I put Jesus into my life, then my life will be a little bit better. And my ethics begin to change. And my morals begin to change. And then I maybe make better decisions. And my life gets a little bit better if I just add Jesus to the good life that I already have. And that'll make my life even better. But Paul, Paul says, the goal of being a Christian is not a better life. The goal is to know Christ. The goal of being a Christian is not a better life on this planet. The goal of being a Christian is to know Jesus. To know Jesus. To know Jesus. Jesus is not a goal that leads us to other goals. Jesus is the goal. He's the goal here. And our goal should be, I want to know you better today than I did yesterday. And I want to know you better tomorrow than I did today. And, and I want to know you better a year from now than I do right now. And 10 years from now, I want to be walking with you in a different way, knowing parts of you that I do not know right now. The goal is to know Jesus. And this is going to mess some of us up right here. So get ready. When difficult situations arrive in our life, our first prayer should not be, God, this is happening to me. Do something miraculous and move in my situation. By the way, it's okay to pray that prayer. Please pray that prayer. That's a biblical prayer to pray. We believe that God does miracles and we believe in all of that. But that should be your second prayer, biblically. Your first prayer should be this. God, help me to know you better because of this. Help me to know you more. Help me to know you more. Uh, you, you find that you have cancer in your body? You pray, God, use this to bring me closer to you. And then second, you pray and do a miracle, change this situation. This will change your life, by the way. And it will change your relationship with God. Now, if you didn't know this about the Apostle Paul, he has a pretty crazy list of suffering. Crazy list. He, he was alone. He's been shipwrecked. He was attacked by murderous mobs. That happened to me just a couple minutes ago in the bathroom, actually. <laughs> that joke would have been funny if we had bathrooms. But Paul's been beaten. He's been whipped. He's been starved. He's been homeless. He's been poor. He's been bitten by a snake. He's been put on trial. He's been in prison. And he's been betrayed by friends. Now, other than that, Paul has a pretty easy life. 
And he's writing this text, Philippians. He's writing this letter from prison. He's in prison. He's been in prison for about two years as he writes this passage. And he's waiting to hear whether or not he's going to be executed for being a follower of Jesus. And by the way, he's going to be. And he writes the words, it doesn't matter who I am. It doesn't matter what I've been through. The only thing that matters in this life is knowing Christ. And how do I do that? By, by experiencing the power of the resurrection and participating with Jesus in his suffering. Music team, will you please come? I, I want to kind of bring us to an end here, but I want to tell two stories as I do. And then we're just going to take a few moments for, for prayer and reflection here before we go. The first is this. I want to take you back to the story of our missionary last week. Four years as a child experienced an absolute hell on earth. As he watched the child next to him get pulled out of the crowd and shot right in front of him. And this happened every day. For four years, horrendous. We're talking about the extre extreme suffering in the worst way humanly possible. You heard his story. Well, well, I've had time to spend with him. I, I, I was over in Cambodia with him. I've spent some time here with him. I had lunch with him after uh, service last week. I've asked him a whole lot of questions about his life, about, his, uh, about everything he went through. And, and I've listened to him say a whole lot of things. And listen to me. He has a depth to his relationship with God that I'm convinced he would not have without his story. The depth of his relationship. You don't realize that God is all you need until God is all you have. The depth. Now understand, God didn't cause that stuff. We're, we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. But God used his suffering and is continuing to use his suffering for incredible good. His story is pointing people to God and lives are being changed all over the world. The second story is the story of a famous church song. Many of you will know it. It's simply called, It Is Well. You've heard that song. The song was written by a man named Horatio Spafford back in the 1870s. This man, listen to this, this man was a successful lawyer in Chicago. And then in 1871, he literally lost everything in, in the great Chicago fire. To deal with the loss, he and his family planned a, a vacation trip to Europe. And they were just about to leave and something came up. And so what happened is he sent his wife and his four daughters, age 11, 9, 7, and 2, sends them ahead, and he waits and gets some stuff done, and then he's going to jump on a boat and, and, and go there. Well, November 22nd, 1873, that ship struck another ship and went down. And this man received a telegram from his wife that simply said these two words. It said, saved alone. And Spafford, this man, he wrote the lyrics to this song, It is well with my soul, while passing over the very spot in the ocean where his four daughters had perished. He writes these lyrics. The lyrics read this. It says, When peace like a river 
attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billow roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. My friends, tragedy will come. Loved ones will pass away. The doctor will give you the news and the list goes on and on. You know this, you experience it. Some of you are walking in this path right now. But right alongside of suffering is an opportunity like no other. An opportunity to know Christ in a deeper way, in a way like you have never known him before. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to build on this idea. There's a lot of questions that people have about suffering and we kind of have a list of them that we're going to just try to address. We're also going to address some of the like just directly address some of the misconceptions and misunderstandings that we specifically as Americans have. Um, And then we're going to really look at what do we do when tragedy strikes and how do we respond and I think that this series and understanding biblically this idea of suffering as we look at the writings of Paul and others has deeper, bigger, you know, things that can come out of it than, than so many others. And I'm excited to see where this goes, but just kind of where I want to take this here as we're done. With no one looking around, just a time of privacy and reflection. Who here in this place would just be honest with me and say, Pastor Kyle, I I am in the middle of a difficult season. I'm right there in the middle of that, whatever it is. If that's you, just quickly show me your hand. So many, so many hands all over this place. I want to pray for us here before we go, but I want to understand that I want to pray first that God would bring you closer to him in this time. And so let's just take a moment and pray. God, I pray, I pray for those that lifted up their hands today in the middle of a difficult season, in the middle of of circumstances that are just not good. And Lord, we pray, we pray, we pray that you would use these things to, to draw us closer to you. That you would use tragedy to to strengthen our faith. That you would use losing a job to to, to bring us uh, our relationship with you closer than it's ever been. God, use these things for your glory and to bring us to you, God. And I pray that as we approach these things, as we pray, that we would seek that out. That we would ask for that and God, that you would help and move us closer. God, we also pray that you would do miracles. We pray that you would show up in the ways that only you can. We believe that. We pray for that, God. In the name of Jesus, will you heal people? Will you intervene? Will you bring families back together? Will you do, God, what only you can do? In your name, we pray. The last thing here, eyes still closed for just a moment longer here in this place would just say I know that I am far from God and I need to come home God is standing there with his arms open he he, he gave his son for you 
the amazing grace and the incredible love of, of Jesus is there waiting for you. And you may be searching every, every which direction to find satisfaction, to find the love, to find whatever it is you're missing. And I'm telling you, you will never find what you're looking for outside of Jesus Christ. You'll never find it. You can find temporary happiness. You can find things that, okay, but, but it'll never truly satisfy. There's a hole in your heart that is only to be filled by God. And maybe you're here today and you would say, I have never accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I want to do that today. If that's you, with no one looking around, quickly just show me your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just show me your hand for just a moment. I want to pray for you. I need to accept Jesus as the Savior of my sins. Let's everyone in this place just pray this together. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's put our hands together and celebrate that. God, I pray that as we walk out these doors today, that we would be more aware of you and more aware of your very presence than we ever have been before. Let us walk alongside of you, totally knowing that you are there. God, we, we need you. We love you. Challenge us, change us, move us forward, oh God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.